The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hey, AI Today listeners. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. From books and materials ranging from fundamentals of AI to deep dives on implementing AI projects to AI ethics, tools, software, checklists, and more, our resources page will help you on your AI journey whether you're just starting out or you're well on your way. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. That's aitoday.live slash L-I-S-T. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And on today's podcast, we're continuing along with our failure series on AI. You know, you may have heard from others that Many AI projects are not succeeding. You know, the failure rate on AI projects and many data analysis, big data projects has a high failure rate. And um, as we've talked about in our other episodes in this series, this is episode, I think, five or so in this particular series, there are actually many reasons for these failures. It's not, it's not because, oh, well, I guess AI is terrible or I guess the products are really you know, crappy. It's like, no, actually good products. Hey, some of the best researchers in the world are working for some of these technology companies. So you cannot accuse these technology companies of having you know, uh, all you know, smoke and mirrors. No, they, they, they really do. You can build some fantastic machine learning models with all these tools. So you can't blame the tools. You can't blame the technology. You can't blame the researchers. You can't blame the concept. So who can you blame when the AI projects fail? And oftentimes it's yourselves. And the reason for this failure has a lot of, well, this is now the fifth episode. So we got like, you know, five, actually five out of 10 reasons why they fail. And past few, we've talked about data quality issues and data quantity issues using application development methodologies for data projects. We've talked about issues around, uh, you know, just, just trying to understand the, the data and all that sort of stuff. But in this, you know, we're going to talk about a different reason for this time, this time around. Um, the only reason why I bring all that as a highlight is that if this is the first episode you're listening to on this topic, we encourage you to go back and listen to some of our others on this topic. You know, we've definitely, we we're, we're well over four seasons and now into our fifth season of AI Today. And we've talked to a lot of people about their AI successes. So if you want to hear about AI successes... You're not going to hear that in this podcast, but you will hear that in other episodes in our series. So I really do encourage you to go back and listen to them and subscribe so you can continue to hear both the successes and failures of AI in our AI Today podcast. Exactly. And we thought that it was important to have a series on why we are, you know, some common reasons why we're seeing AI projects fail, because it doesn't have to be this way. So if you can see why other projects are failing, then you can learn from that and don't make the same mistakes so that you can set your projects up to succeed. So we decided to have an AI podcast series dedicated to AI project failures. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about, you know, why we're seeing projects fail. Uh, One of the reasons being that the time between pilot to full production is just way too long. 
And, you know, we always say, what happened to iteration? Why are you taking, you know, why is there 18, 24 months in between the time that you have a pilot to iteration? Also, we've seen a lot of organizations talk about proof of concepts and, you know, put out a proof of concept, a POC. And we just say, why are you doing that? Because you want to make sure that you're setting your project up for success. And if you are not using real-world data in a real-world environment, then you are going to really suffer when this actually is out in the real world. So let's start Let's start with that. Let's start with the proof of concept. So if you're not familiar with some of this terminology that, you know, sort of like the lingo of project management, you know, uh, you may not have heard the terms of, you may kind of generally know what a proof of concept is and what a prototype is and what a pilot is, but you, but you may not be aware that they actually have very specific meanings, right? So the idea of a pilot is that, well, let's actually start with the very basic idea of a proof of concept, which is I'm trying to literally prove a concept like, oh, I think I can apply natural language processing to read some sort of um, you know, issue in uh, my system. Well, I could build a really small project and I could try it, you know, sort of like a, a test, you know, or a trial. The thing though is um, that doesn't really actually prove anything. It only proves that like, yep, the technology works and okay, in that very specific limited circumstance, you can get something to work. But of course the whole thing can fall apart when you actually try to use that same idea on the real world data, it might be like, oh, I guess the data doesn't really look like what I tested like. Maybe it works on my laptop, but it doesn't really work on the server. Maybe the environment in which I'm deploying it doesn't match the environment. There's so many reasons why that doesn't work. You might be like, okay, well, then I guess any logical organization wouldn't start with that. They do like what's, what's something that's more specific, like test the real world in a, in a limited um, you know, environment. right? So, and that would be the pilot. And the idea of a pilot is you're going to take something that's a real world. You can use real world data. You can use a real world problem. And you're going to have a sort of a, a, a good environment in which you can test, we're still testing that whether or not, so it's a safe environment is a good way to think about it. So we could test that idea in a way that, oh yeah, if, if, if this works, then I can scale this thing up. I could take, that's what a pilot is. It's like, it's a, I guess it's a kind of like limp, similar to like a pilot in the plane. It's like you're trying to guide something in that direction. So I'm guiding it towards the production, right? So I'm going to get in this plane. I'm going to take this thing off. The last episode we were doing boats. I guess we're doing planes for this one. We're going to take off and we're going to head towards um, our destination. And that's, you know, the, the, the production. But a proof of concept is just sort of like, it's like taking the wheels off the plane and seeing that the wheels go round and round. It's like, you know, as any kid will tell you, the wheels on the plane do go round and round. That's <laughs> yes. not what we're trying to prove. We're trying to prove, can I actually take off and go and take passengers and do stuff like that? And that's what the pilot is all about. Surprisingly, so many people are taking proof of concepts in their projects. They're not, I don't understand why, how people can get millions and millions and millions of dollars for basically what are really proofs of concept that, that don't even use the real world scenario in which they're trying to prove has some value, right? Exactly. And so what we've seen is that, you know, proof of concepts really are just meant to to illustrate if it's possible. And so, of course, when you're in a very controlled environment with great data, you know, uh, a controlled system that you're working on that is not actually out in the real world where it's being tested and strained and, you know, dealing with, with multiple different things, your proof of concept most likely will succeed because it's, you know, um, a very controlled environment. 
But when you go to actually put it in the real world, this is where we start to see these proof of concepts fail. And, you know, when you actually go to that pilot stage or full production, you're just like, why isn't this working? This worked so well in my little, you know, proof of concept, very controlled environment. And we're like, well, that's exactly why, because this is the real world. And you didn't test it on real world data with how, you know, regular users are using this system, not somebody that's maybe, you know, highly trained or built this and is, is, you know, interested in, knows exactly how to do everything. Maybe it, you know, has never seen bad data. So it doesn't know how to handle that because it had all of this nice data that you were using for it. So, you know, there's many reasons why it can fail. One example that we always talk about is autonomous vehicles. When you're in a controlled environment, it works really well, right? Like I'm on a track, there's no distractions, there's no balls that kids have accidentally kicked running into the middle of the street, no animals darting across the road, no car suddenly, for whatever reason, stopping in front of me. You know, you're in a nice, really controlled environment. And then suddenly you put it out in the real world and it does not understand how to go through a bridge where water is gushing over the side. It thinks that it's a wall and it will stop. Or it doesn't know how to handle maybe trucks next to it because it never had a, a truck next to it before. So you need to make sure this is why when you run it in that kind of that lab, that controlled test environment, it doesn't see real world data. So it doesn't know how to uh, actually behave. And this can happen for a number of different reasons. Yeah. So I think this is unfortunately an area in which AI projects actually might suffer much more so than say, a typical application development project, because nobody needs a proof of concept for a website. It's like, yeah, we <laughs> we know what the website is. We know what it can do. We know what it can't do. And you're, you're just, you go, you know, when you build websites or applications, you don't think about first doing some sort of proof of concept. You just, you start thinking, you may have a pilot. You may say, well, we're not going to roll out the website to everybody. Maybe we'll have a limited control environment for the application. But AI projects suffer this proof of concept um, issue to a high degree. And I think it's unfortunate because a lot of things that people are doing that are, you know, like robotics, autonomous systems in particular, lots of autonomous systems, drone-based systems, even things like facial recognition. And those are a lot of things that um, work in those controlled environments, but don't work very well. I mean, we don't have, let's just be honest, we don't have a level five autonomous vehicle that's approved for, for the road. But the best we have is level two, maybe level three. Yeah, we got the Waymo things happening in very limited environments, but you can read story after story after story about how these devices, these are not really working very well. They're, you know, they only work in certain environments. They're not error proof. And it's like, you think about these things, you're like, these would make great university projects, you know, great research projects. This is something that Carnegie Mellon and MIT and like Harvard and Stanford and also lots of little schools, you know, state schools and, and schools around the world in Singapore and in the United Kingdom and Japan, you know, everywhere, Australia. These are great projects for research institutions and should not be surprising that many of the people who are running AI at these major companies, Google, Facebook, Amazon, blah, 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 come out of those research institutions and think very much in terms of the research. I'm trying to prove something that may be a great paper that may advance the technology. 
But the thing that's always missing in university projects is that you don't have the real world to basically go ahead and use that thing. There's never, you know, maybe when you're done with the university project, there's like technology transfer and then you try to sell it to some, license it to some organization. And then they have to deal with the problems of actually making it work in the real world. And, and as you know, technology transfer, maybe you don't know, are not always successful. What works in the university environment, sometimes like eight times out of 10 does not work in the real world, but we suffer for this. And again, I always like to call out the leaders in this space because they're always held up to, to such a high standard. And I'm like, okay, Andrew Ng, Rodney Brooks, you know, so many people who are like building robotics things and, and AI projects that work so well in the research environment and do not work in the real world because they are prime, they're basically very expensive, highly glorified, proof of concepts that have proved their concept in, say, medical imaging, uh, doing stuff at Stanford Hospital, but do not actually work in the general world of radiology imagery, where the data is not the same and the machines are not the same, all that sort of stuff. Same thing, autonomous vehicles work in a highly controlled environment, they don't, or these robots that were supposed to scan the store shelves in Walmart and Lowe's and all these places, they have to be taken out. Even mm -hmm. Pepper, the big ro the robot used by SoftBank, has been discontinued because it just does not it doesn't actually really work the way that they want it to. It's not providing that return, which is actually a whole other podcast, but yeah. you know, it's not really providing that return, right? Well, it was. I'm laughing because one of the feedbacks that was given from Pepper was that it was actually scaring customers. And I'm like, See, that was the complete opposite effect of what they wanted Pepper to have. And so you do not want to, you know, institute something that's actually scaring your customers because at the end of the day, you want to keep your customers around. Also, you know, know, for our listeners, I know that many of our listeners do attend our different AI-focused communities that we run. So Ron and I run the AI in government community, and we also run the Data for AI community. And in one of our Data for AI sessions we had with United Health Group, they talked about how you know, it's great that you, you can get these kids from universities that are doing data engineering projects, but they normally do them with this very controlled data set that actually really doesn't apply in the real world. And they go, wouldn't it be nice if they could do something where it was with data that you would typically see and actually gain some real world experience while in university so that they can then translate that into an organization right away and not have as much, you know, of a learning curve. There's reasons why, you know, different companies don't want to share all of that data. But this just goes to show how, you know, when when you are doing something in a proof of concept, uh, rather than in pilot or full production, it's, you know, it can seem a lot easier than it actually is. It, you know, a great example Example two is Pepper, where in a controlled environment, it was able to understand people. It was able to move around. The people that were training it probably thought Pepper was cute. It was this little robot that they had, you know, really invested in. And then when you go and put it in a real world environment, it was deployed in a um, grocery store in the UK. You have much higher ceilings than you did in your controlled space. And Pepper had a difficult time hearing people. Also, as I mentioned, Pepper scared some of the customers. You know, not everybody is, is excited to see a little robot come up and approach them. So, you, you know, because this wasn't actually tested in a, in a pilot, none of these issues were realized until it was way too late. 
and now you've invested all this time and money and resources into this project and you don't want it to fail. So you kind of push forward with it, but really it is failing. And if you had just put this in a controlled environment, you know, maybe released it in just a handful of stores or one particular market, you would have learned all of this and you would have been able to iterate on that and then been able to roll it out in full production with success rather than roll it out with this major failure and then decide that you're going to 100% completely pull back. That really doesn't do much for anybody in the space. So these are, you know, hopefully we have continued to um, show you with many different examples. Please don't do proof of concept. Please don't do prototypes. Start with the pilot. You're going to get actual real world feedback and it's going to be in that, you know, real world production environment. And those what you learn there will be invaluable in order for you to continue to move forward and have project success. So um, if you're following a rational methodology, of course, we talk all the time about CPM AI, which is the methodology for uh, project management for AI projects based on CRISPDM over 20 plus years old. Uh, definitely you can learn more about it. Go to courses.cognolytica.com and take a look at CPM AI or just do a search for CPM AI and you'll find it. One of the things we talk about, if you're trying to, to get over this failure mode, right, which is unfortunately, as mentioned, very, very common in AI projects, even with great data, with great, even with even if you solve data quality and data quantity issues, if the whole project is oriented towards a proof of concept, the first thing that you should be thinking about in your mind is, okay, proof of concept, let's go back to university technology licensing success rates. What do we say? 80% chance of failure. You could have a 20% chance of success, but there's a high rate of failure, not because the project doesn't succeed with the proof of concept, but because the transfer doesn't work. That you're trying to try, Once you try to transfer it into the real world, you hit all the real world problems and it doesn't work. So the first thing you should ask yourself, this is phase one actually of CPMAI and business understanding is, am I doing a proof of concept or am I doing a pilot? This is actually part of the AI go, no-go, which we talked about in earlier uh, podcasts where you have to answer basically nine questions. They need to all be yes. One of those questions has to do with, is there sufficient ROI? But it's sort of like a little bit of a sub-question, which is like, are we doing a proof of concept? And you need to be honest with yourself. Need to be on, and it, it it could be very very hard to be honest because there could be fifty million dollars or hundred million dollars behind that proof of concept. So I'd be like, I'm going to give you this money to solve this major problem. It could be, and it could be a major problem. It could be healthcare. It could be personal safety. It could be cybersecurity. It could be. We're not saying that the problems are trivial. The problems may be significant, but this is actually where it matters even more. You might say to yourself. Okay, you're giving me all this money to solve this really important problem, but I just want everybody to be upfront. This is still a proof of concept with an 80% chance of failure, even if it works in the controlled environment. There is an 80% chance that the moment we try to apply this to the real situation, it'll fail. If everybody's still nodding their heads around and be like, okay, great, we're going to do a university research project venture funded, okay? Just like everybody's on the same page. And, and everybody's like, I hope they're all nodding their heads, but, but if you can, if you can, my, our dear listeners, try not to do the proof of concept. Can you say, well, is there a version of this? Maybe smaller, maybe it doesn't solve uh, global health issues. Maybe it solves a very, very small problem that we can actually do with the real world and start with the real world pilot. Because then you'll still have other issues. Trust me, we have 10 podcasts here. There's nine other reasons why your project may fail. But if you, if you address all those issues, at the very least, you're not suffering from proof of conceptitis. 
And you're basically just a big glorified research project. And by the way, this is one of the major reasons why we've had these AI winters, because we've had these glorified AI research projects that just never managed to make it into production. And we just we just close the door on AI and we walk away and we don't want to be doing that here. So that's sort of a, <laughs> a little summary of what we have to say on that. Exactly. So hopefully, you know, you hopefully at this point you understand, please go straight to pilot. Don't do a proof of concept. If you must do a proof of concept, understand exactly what it is when you're going into it, reasons why it can fail. And if you decide that you're still going to move forward, okay, but at least you've had that discussion. So again, this is one of our reasons in our AI failure series. Hopefully we've been able to address it sufficiently for you and given you, you know, uh, reasons on how to actually move forward so that it is successful. As we always say, we are advocates of best practices methodologies. Please have a methodology that you are using. Make sure that it is documented. Make sure that it is not a methodology methodology that it just is in someone's head. And, you know, if that person leaves the team, then you're not able to get any of that knowledge uh, with you because that person has gone. Make sure that it's documented, that they can, you know, show you what it is and you're understanding it and everybody is on board. At Cognolytica, we're advocates of the CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology. If you're interested in learning more, you can go to courses.cognolytica. Com. We also love to get feedback from our listeners. We have been hearing from many of you, so thank you for that. And we'd always love to hear from more of you on podcasts that you like, different topics that you'd like us to address on these podcasts. So if you're interested, you can always reach out to us at info at cognolitica.com. Shoot us an email. Again, that's info at cognolitica, C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. Or, and, or, but, you know, we always love to hear from our listeners as well when they rate us. And so please do rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to leave a comment as well to let us know specifically which podcast or podcast episodes you've enjoyed and why you've enjoyed it. We do read them and we love to hear from our listeners. Um, We use that feedback to continue to help us pick new topics and new episodes. So please do make sure to reach out to us either by email and or rate us on iTunes and leave some feedback there. So we hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, including links to some of the previous AI Failure Series podcasts so that you can go back and listen to all of them in order. If you're interested in hearing additional episodes from us, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified. We release podcasts every week, so please do make sure to subscribe so that you get notified of all of our podcasts. We have some great ones coming up in this AI failure series. So definitely make sure to listen. We also, uh, you know, we'll talk about why additional reasons why projects are failing, including, you know, sometimes listening too much to vendors or being persuaded to do things that you shouldn't do. Uh, We'll also talk about lack of real world understanding and different reasons that we've seen. Also, we do have some podcast interviews coming up. We always enjoy talking to others in the space. So we have some interviews coming up with the commissioners of the National uh, Security 
Commission, the NSCAI, and also um, Albert King, who is the CDO of the Scottish government and others as well. So definitely make sure to subscribe so you can get all of those episodes. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Grabas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.